Now as we open God's word, let us pray together. Please pray with me. Oh, holy God, we give you thanks. Thank you for waking us up this morning, for bringing us here to your sanctuary. God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for the way that it inspires us, it leads and guides our lives. We pray on this day, as we come here with all that we carry in our heart and minds, that we would listen for your holy word, that we would trust in your amazing power to make us new. Lord God, we give you all the thanks, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our New Testament lesson for today is from 1 Corinthians 13, and this can be found on page 164 in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along. I'm I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then verse 13. Listen for God's word. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three. And the greatest of these is love. Some of you who have been here over the last couple months know that our pastor, our interim pastor, Steve Eason, has been leading us and a series through the fruit of the Spirit as they are written in Galatians chapter 5. There are nine fruit. For those of you who've been here, I'm guessing that you know them by now. Let's see if you can say this so we can report it to Steve. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You did pretty good. I was reading them, so we'll let them know you did a good job. We have been hearing from Steve about this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the region of Galatia. The Galatians were going through a difficult time. You see, there were some in the church who were expecting the new Christians to follow the same 
Mosaic rules that they had followed, there was an expectation of circumcision and a strict observation of the Mosaic law. And the Apostle Paul is writing to tell them that's not how it is. He was telling these new Christians that they did not have to earn their salvation. As a matter of fact, they couldn't. They, they can't. They can't earn or work towards God's salvation. God's love for them was a free gift. And the fruit of God's spirit is what the Apostle Paul wanted this church to know. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what makes up God and what God gives freely to us. Well, similarly, the Apostle Paul is writing letters to the church in Corinth, which is where the passage that we read comes from today. Maybe you have heard 1 Corinthians 13 read before. How many of you have heard this read in a wedding? A few people. (laughs) This is one of the most popular, uh, I think in 90% of the weddings that I officiate, there's a request for 1 Corinthians 13. It is poetic and beautiful, and it gives a description of love like we can't find anywhere else. And who doesn't want that kind of love to be central in their wedding ceremony? My husband, Rob, and I chose this passage for our wedding service. A friend of mine, uh, we bo- he was a minister, and we both were recent graduates of seminary. I asked him to be a reader in our wedding, and I asked him to read 1 Corinthians 13. Well, he decided to do a little bit more than just read this lovely text at our wedding. Before reading these poetic verses, he gave the context surrounding the verses. You see, in seminary, we learn that you don't want to pull scripture out of one place without saying what's going on, the history and the people and what's happening in there. But that's not what I asked him to do. I didn't really want to hear about the fighting in Corinth at my wedding. Come to think of it, there were 14 ministers that had a part in our wedding service. So maybe he felt a little pressure. But my friend told our sweet wedding congregation, I'm sure I was giving him the stink eye, that this letter was written to a dysfunctional church. That the church in Corinth was struggling. That there were people in the church who decided they were more spiritually gifted than others. There was confusion on what the Lord's table was intended to be. There was disunity, a struggle over leadership and roles. There was breakdown, there was conflict. And Paul is writing to the church to instruct and encourage Now, I love my friend and was glad to have him be a part of our service, but to tell you the truth, it was a bit of a buzzkill for him to share this discouraging news before reading the lovely text. I don't know many brides that want to hear 
conflict and their wedding service. And this is sort of like life, right? We would rather hear about the love and goodness than the difficult and dysfunctional. And yet, as humans, we live most of our life in the messy and challenging. So what does this passage about love have to say to us? except for the possibility of maybe being discouraged because it's really hard to hit the mark. What does the Apostle Paul say that love is? He says, patient, kind, rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes, endures, never ends. And what does he say that love is not? Love is not envious, boastful, arrogant, rude, irritable, resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It does not insist on its own way. It's quite a checklist, isn't it? If I were to use this as a guide for how I have done in my marriage, actually, I don't think I want to do that. (laughs) Are we really supposed to love like this? Do you? The church in Corinth wasn't loving like this. The church today doesn't love like this. We are human imperfect, broken vessels. And sometimes we are boastful and arrogant and rude and irritable and resentful and insisting on our own way. And sometimes we are patient and kind, rejoicing in truth. The good news, the very good news, is that even though we do not love like this all the time, This, this is the way that God loves all the time. This description of love is how we are loved by our creator. God is patient and kind and rejoicing and hopeful and God's love never ends, never giving up on us. It is not rude or irritable, or resentful. If you ever wonder who God is or what God is like, I've seen around town some different churches, or maybe there's a website, it's called Explore God. I saw one as I was driving in this morning, and when I think about how to create a description or a picture in my mind of who God is, I can imagine writing out the fruit of the Spirit, the words listed there, writing out the words in this passage about what love is, and using those words to draw a picture in your mind's eye, or maybe even actually draw a picture. And that is what our Creator God is. And then, 
There's Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Jesus came to this earth and walked among us. And Jesus showed us how to love in this way, forgiving and healing and caring. God loves us like this, and it is God who then empowers us to love one another. Oh, we will fail. We do. And we can't love like this on our own. We need help. We need God's help. We cannot force the Spirit of God to empower us. The Spirit will move as it chooses. But we can put ourselves in a position where we are able to receive the Spirit's gift of love. We can open ourselves up to this amazing love. There's tangible ways that we can do it, I think, by gathering here this morning and seeking God, that we are opening ourselves up to the way that our God loves us and the way that our God will show us how to love in God's world. God's love, which claims us, we say in our baptism, it claims us before we even know who God is or how to say God's name. And it claims us again and again when we turn our back, when we are irritable and resentful and insisting on our own way. You know, if I were God, I would say, enough of you. But God doesn't do that. God is patient and kind. God's love never ends. God is always there for us. We are human We fail, we fall short, and at the same time, in tension with that, we are beloved creatures, creatures of God, claimed by God, and we are given glimpses of God's kingdom here on earth. It is a love that only God can produce in us. It's a love that only God can produce, as Steve has been saying, with the fruit of the Spirit. So how do we do this? How do we know how to love? In some ways, it's pretty simple. We pray, and we ask God to help. In my situation, I have to move my ego out of the way a little bit and make room for God. We then practice examples of God's love here on earth. Maybe sometimes when we don't even feel like it, but we practice kindness and generosity and patience. And then we ask for forgiveness when we fail. And then we do it all over again. God's love claims us new each day. The beginning of this chapter in Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Those aren't good images, a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. 
consider this in your conversations today or in your thought process today and throughout this week. Do you want to be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal? Or do you want to know God's love and claim it and and share that in God's world? With God's help, we can strive to love like our loving God does. I don't have to tell you that our world is not always kind and loving. How do we respond? Do we join in on the dysfunction? Or do we seek to be like Christ? Loving like Christ. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is possible only by the grace of God. Amen. Thank you.